This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, and I cannot believe it is already June. It's already the first of June. This year is just flying by. It's summertime. Your kids are out of school. There's plenty of people planning vacation, planning trips around the country, around the world. I would say be safe, be careful, always watch your back. There's always something going on anywhere you go. We've seen it in the news lately. You can't go anywhere without something happening. So protect yourself, protect your family, be safe, but enjoy your summer break. Enjoy your summer vacation. Do not let the threat of some idiots stop you from doing what we've been doing in this country for many, many, many years, and that is enjoying our freedoms, enjoying our rights as Americans. I want to get right into it tonight. Uh, Of course, I got a lot going on. In my life, I'm, I just signed a deal with Ackerman Security to do commercials with them. Uh, there's some stuff coming up that I'm going to be doing with TV One pretty soon. Uh, so I've been very busy the last few weeks. But hey, busy is good, right? We always say busy is good. If you're not busy, there's a problem. Uh, but I want to jump right into it. There's two uh, cases I want to talk about tonight. The first one we've talked about on this show several times. It's about Tamir Rice. There's some new developments dealing with those officers in that case. And the other was a shooting that happened a few weeks ago uh, in Michigan where three police officers, and yes, they were white, uh, shot and killed a a black male in Michigan. I want to talk about that. I want to dive right into it. You'll probably understand why you haven't heard much about this case when I talk about it. Uh, But first, I want to start with Tamir Rice. And of course, you remember Tamir Rice was the 12-year-old who was killed back in November of 2014 when he was at a uh, park. He was armed with a pellet gun, a BB gun. And, of course, that led to a lot of protests, a lot of uproar about it being a racial shooting. The officers uh, were cleared. There was no indictment against those officers uh, because the shooting was deemed justified. And we've talked about on the show why the shooting was justified. Because at the end of the day, there was a gun, what was perceived as a real threat, an imminent threat against those officers' lives. And the officer that fired the the shots that killed Tamir was justified in his actions at that moment. So now the new developments in the case, the city of Cleveland has fired the rookie police officer, Timothy Lohman, uh, who was actually the one that shot and killed Tamir. But they didn't fire him because of the shooting. They fired him because he did not disclose the fact that he was asked to resign from his previous police department, the Independence Police Department, and that he failed to disclose that and that his previous supervisor raised concerns about his abilities to be an effective police officer. So that's why he was fired. Now, in addition to Loman being fired, his training officer, uh, Frank Gambrick, Garmback, sorry, was given a 10-day suspension. And if you followed this case, you followed this show, you followed everything I've said about it, 
The one thing I've said now, even though the shooting was justified because I truly believe those officers thought there was an imminent threat against their lives at that exact moment, the one thing I've always said was I didn't agree with the officers' tactics, their tactics on approach. Because when you go back and watch the video, you can see how close the officers get to Tamir Rice. I mean, the car pulls up within feet of Tamir Rice which, and I've said on the show, really didn't give Officer Lohman, the officer that shot Tamir, any reactionary time, any safe cover distance, anything like that. So it was really that he was forced to shoot based on where that car was positioned. And uh, the city of Cleveland actually had the same sentiments. They gave him a 10-day suspension, saying that uh, he put Officer Lohman in danger for driving his partner within feet of Tamir, who was armed with the replica pistol in his waistband. And I couldn't agree more with that, that, and if you haven't watched the video, I'm sure you've had, this was three years ago almost, and we've talked about it on this show, but when you watch that video and you see how close they pull up to Tamir, he did put that officer in danger. If that had been a real gun and Tamir got the drop on him, that officer would be dead. And he gave him no reaction room, no cover distance, nothing like that. So, again, I agree that there were no charges in this case. But I also agree with this 10-day suspension based on the officer's tactics. But the the buck didn't stop there. Um... And I think this was a winch, witch hunt at some point. So uh, Loman gets fired. His training officer gets suspended. But there was also a few other suspensions here. The 911 call taker, her name is Constance Hollinger. She was suspended uh, for, I think, eight days or something like that. Yeah, eight days for not... Relying critical information to Beth Mendall, who was the actual dispatcher who sent the two officers to the scene. So she was suspended because she didn't tell the officers that Tamir was probably a child and that the pistol was probably a fake. She just said, hey, there's a guy with a gun scaring people outside the center. Now, I don't know if I agree. with Well, correction. I don't agree with her suspension. And here's why. And I said it when this case first broke. The fact that Tamir was a child really has nothing to do with it. Because we can go across this country. We can look at a city like Chicago. We can look at other cities. And we can see where kids that are 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old are using real guns. They're shooting real bullets. They're trying to kill real people. So the fact that she didn't relay that to... The officers, to me, is a moot point because it really wouldn't have made any difference given the situation that that could have been a real gun and he could have used it against the police. And the fact that she didn't say the gun was probably fake, even though the caller said that, he does not know this to be factual. He says it's probably fake. He didn't get close enough to Tamir to say, hey, man, is that gun fake? He called from a distance. So it's not like he went to Tamir, he looked at it, he's like, yes, I can confirm this is a fake gun, and he's a kid. That has nothing to do with how the officers reacted based on 
Tamir Rice's actions when they approached when he reached into his waistband and he started reaching for the gun, which they believed was real. So the fact, okay, they didn't say it's a child. Mute point. They didn't say the gun was fake. Irrelevant, in my opinion, because the fact is the officers approached someone reached for what they believed was a deadly weapon. You cannot take the word, the assumption of a caller who is not in Tamir's face, who has no firsthand knowledge whether the gun is real or not. You cannot take that for word that it's a fake gun. And when you see someone reaching in their waistband for what you know is a gun, officers reacted accordingly based on their training and based on their legal right to protect themselves against what they perceived as deadly force. But let's go ahead and start laying out a little bit of blame here. And again, I don't blame the officers for the shooting, given what they had at that exact moment. I honestly don't question the fact that he was suspended for putting the officer, uh, the training officer was suspended 10 days for putting his partner at risk because I said it from the start. There's no way I would have approached Tamir Rice thinking he had a gun that close. But there's some fault, if not all, if now Cleveland police are saying, hey, we fired him because he lied on his application. Now, his attorney says he didn't lie. He just ran out of room to explain why he left the department. Whatever. Uh, Regardless of that. It is their duty. And trust me when I say departments do this uh, because they ran everything on me when I went to the police academy. There's some fault in the Cleveland Police Department for not checking that information prior to Loman getting on their department. Now, I know this is beyond the badge, and I know that I'm always pro-police, but right is right and wrong is wrong. The Cleveland Police Department in this was wrong for not checking this officer's background, especially if now they're saying that's why they fired him, because he failed to disclose why he left the department. Well, anytime you have someone leaving a department, here's how that usually works. When people jump from the department to department to department, it's usually because they're about to get asked to resign. It's usually not for pay, especially if it's in a surrounding city, because the pay is about the same. It's usually because they're about to get uh, fired, asked to resign, or something of that nature. So I do put a little bit of fault in the Cleveland Police Department from whenever they hired Lowman. If they're saying that's why they fired him, that they didn't do a background check on him, a deeper background check on him. Like my day job, I'm the director of fraud at a credit card company. You don't think I'm going to go and become a director or senior director or vice president without them checking to see my credentials and what I have done and can do on the job. That's just how it works. You especially have to do that. When you're giving someone the authority to take a life legally, there is nothing in his background that should ever surprise them. And that seems like that's what happened here in Cleveland. Oh, they didn't know he was asked to resign because he's not fit for the job. 
until after he killed Tamir Rice. Again, the shooting was by the book, but now you're saying you hi- you fired him because he didn't disclose this, but you hired him, giving him the legal right to take a life. Why didn't you do this background check before November of 2014? Now, Tamir's mother received, I think, uh, $6 million uh, in a settlement against the city. Now, I'm sure she'd rather be broke and have her son back than to have this $6 million. Um, you know, I don't know how I feel about people winning settlements against cities when police officers are doing what they were legally allowed to do based on the situation. Um, but I think that's compensation from the city saying, yes, we take responsibility in this too. There was something we missed that we should have caught that may have maybe may have prevented this because we're not saying if Loman wasn't employed by Cleveland police, that Tamir would not have been shot. And I said it even when I first saw the video, he's lucky he didn't get shot by some other civilian on the street for thinking he actually pulled the gun on them. But given the situation, we can't say that there wouldn't have been a call dispatched for Tamir being in the park with the gun. We can't say that at all. But I think the city is saying with the six million that, yes, we take ownership in this, too. There was something we could have done to maybe possibly have prevented this. All right, let's switch gears here and let's head over to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And back on uh, May 3rd, there was a officer involved shooting, actually three police officers, three white officers involved uh, shooting uh, where they shot and killed a black male named Malik Carey, who was 18. And you probably haven't heard a lot about this case. I'm going to dive into why you probably haven't heard a lot about this case uh, other than on the local media. So police uh, are investigating an individual who's in the backseat of a parked car. They had reason to believe that he was someone wanted for uh, probation violation or or something to that effect. So uh, it was classic. I've watched the entire video that was caught on several dash cams. I'm sorry, body cams. Uh, the shooting was caught on dash cam as well. I've listened to the audio. So it was the classic thing that I've seen a hundred times. Hey, what is your name? Why do you need to know my name? The whole back and forth. And he finally gives a name. Uh, and then he says the name. Of course, they go to run that name. It's not him. They get a picture of the guy they're looking for. It does turn out to be Malik Carey. So he's in the back seat again of this parked vehicle. One of the officers opens the back door on the passenger side and explains to him, hey, put your hands on your head and step out of the vehicle. Of course, the officer does not want to go reaching in the vehicle because that is the dead zone. So you can clearly see on this body cam when it slowed down and they showed four or five different body cam uh, angles. Well, actually three, because there were three officers there. So the officer that reaches in the view or opens the door and tells him to step out. You can hear him say, stop reaching, stop reaching. And as the video is slowed down, you can see Malik grabbing for a gun and then you hear shots. Now he actually fired four shots before officers could fire one shot. Of course, officers were 
doing what they're trained to do, what they're legally able to do in a deadly force situation. Of course, they return fire while he's still in the car. Malik's still in the car. At some point, you can see him get out of the car and the officers continue to fire. He falls to the ground. I think he's transported to the hospital and he died. So it already went before a grand jury. They have decided the officers were justified in the shooting and rightfully so they were justified because let's look at the factors and some people may try to relate this to Alton Sterling that oh he couldn't have been a threat because he's sitting in the car or they could have shot him in the leg or they whatever the argument is he presented deadly force first the officers responded to deadly force with deadly force. Now, there's going to be some that say, well, two officers had tasers in their hand. And I think, and you'd have to watch the video on your own, I think he was tased because you can see one of the tasers dragging on the ground. And you can see one of the officers with his taser and his gun out. So, right there, that tells you initially... Initially, before he reached for the gun and he was just refusing to get out of the car and starting to make furtive movements, officers were going to tase them. They tase him. So we can't say that these white officers and their first reaction was that they were going to kill this black male because you see two of the officers with their tasers out. And it's not until Malik Carey pulls out a gun that they switch their tactics from less than lethal to lethal force. The shooting was by the book. And I'm not bringing criminal history into this, but I'm sure this is something the prosecutors, the grand jury looked at was that Malik had a history of uh, violent crimes. He was actually charged with assault with intent to murder in 2015 in connection to his shooting. He later, uh, later pled guilty to assault with intent to do great bodily harm. So when a grand jury is looking at this, when a prosecutor is looking at all the factors, not only are they looking at the fact that he had a gun, they're actually also looking at the fact that, yeah, maybe he probably was going to use it. And that was evident that he did because he shot four rounds at the police. So you have an individual who shouldn't have had a gun, convicted felon. He pled guilty to assault with intent to do great bodily harm. That is a felony. So you have an individual with no legal right to have a gun who fired at police, who gave police no option but to fire back. Now, of course, I'm going to have this on my Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. I'm going to have the video there for you to watch to make your own judgment on this by all means don't take my word for it because yes i'm an ex-cop i'm gonna call it a certain way but if you know anything about me i'm gonna call it like it is i'm not gonna make anything up i'm not gonna be biased about anything i'm gonna call it just like it is and when you look at all of these body camera angles it's clear that the shooting was justified in this situation. Now, some will argue, well, 
It was three police firing at him. Yes, it was. But each of those officers are an individual. Each of those officers perceived the exact same threat, imminent threat of serious bodily injury or death. Now, it doesn't say, well, if it's three officers that only one of you can feel that imminent threat of bodily injury or death. No, that is a threat on an individual. And if those three individuals are in the vicinity of where guns, bullets are flying towards them, then each one of them perceived that threat. So each one individually were legally justified in pulling the trigger, regardless if it was one, two or three officers. They all had the same threat against their lives at the exact same time. And to go even further, if you look at it, he was actually only shot twice. So all that gunshot, uh, gunfire, he was actually only hit twice and he died from those wounds. And a lot of the shots that were fired were while he was still in the car. So I assume maybe. He wasn't hit because he was in the car and maybe he got hit afterwards. I don't know, but that goes back to the whole, oh, it was three police officers and you would assume that he would have had like 20 bullets in him, but no, he was only struck two times. But again, each of those officers are individuals who had the exact same threat against them, which is why they all fired their weapons. Now, of course, the reason you haven't heard about this uh, on mainstream media is it, of course, doesn't fit the stereotypical agenda of he was unarmed and he wasn't doing anything. So since it doesn't fit that, and since it's clear that he had a gun, you're not going to see this on the mainstream media. I actually hadn't heard about it until I went to police one.com which I usually do on a regular basis just to see what's going on out, th on out there and to see what's going on locally, nationally, dealing with police. That's actually how I heard about it. But since it doesn't fit the mainstream media agenda, of he was unarmed, he was black, the officer was white, and he was just picking on a black person, you're not going to hear about this case because it goes to show that police... 99.9% .9 of the time are doing what they're allowed to do by law based on the suspect's actions. Had Malik got out of that car, Malik Carey had got out of that car, A, had he not given a false name, which raised the officer's suspicion and their anxiety, had he not resisted getting out of the car, had he got out of the car, placed his hands on his head like he was told, they handcuffed him, they find the gun, he's still alive. But because he didn't do that, we have the outcome that we have right now. But because no one can sit here and criticize it based on a 10-second cell phone video that they wouldn't have caught the entire thing anyway, or because he was supposedly unarmed and never did anything to anybody, because of all that, no one's talking about this case, right? I don't hear the Black Lives Matter movement talking about this case. We can't pick and choose which ones we're going to protest about. If you say these police officers across this country are white, 
racist thugs, we can't pick the ones we want to protest about, especially those ones that are clear that the individual that is dead caused his own death based on his actions. We can't pick and choose. It's all or nothing. Now, there may even be some people that will say, well, he wasn't actually going to shoot the police. He was just trying to get away. He wasn't really going to shoot the police. Well, to that I say six. Yes, six. The number six after five. Because that's the number of police officers shot and killed in the month of May. Six that were shot by armed suspects. Like the individual I'm going to honor on the 10-7 segment who was shot and killed responding to a domestic disturbance call in Mississippi. Six police officers shot and killed in the month of May dealing with armed suspects. So Malik Carey gave those officers no right or no choice but to react the way they did because they could have been number seven, eight, and nine because there were three. And let's face it, he already had the jump on them if he fired four rounds before they got one off. Those officers could have been seven, eight, and nine police officers killed by gunfire in the month of May dealing with armed suspects. And that leads me to my 10-7 segment. And let's talk about number five, the fifth officer killed in the month of May by gunfire, Deputy Sheriff William Darr. And you probably heard about this case out in Mississippi, he was responding to a domestic disturbance, uh, and as soon as he approached, a male subject shot and killed him, not only shooting and killing the officer after he shot and killed the officer. He fled the scene, went to a house, killed three females there, then drove to two more locations in Brookhaven, Mississippi, where he murdered four people. So this one guy... Not only killed one cop, but killed seven other people uh, before he was taken into custody. And Deputy Dar had served with the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office for two years and had previously served with the Brookhaven Police Department for two years. So, anytime, anytime someone has a gun, and I'm including Tamir Rice into this situation Yes, it was a toy gun, but the officers didn't know that at the time. Anytime someone has a gun, the intent of a gun is to kill. So the officer's response will be to use deadly force in that situation. The sad part is Deputy Sheriff William Darr did not get a chance to even do that because as soon as he arrived, he was shot and killed by this individual who also killed seven people. And there is a very special place, and you know where, for this individual to take eight lives in one day for no apparent reason. He attempted suicide by a cop, but that didn't work. The cops were smarter than that. He's going to serve a lot of time, if not a death sentence, especially since he killed a law enforcement officer. He's going to do a lot of time for these crimes. So, Godspeed to Deputy Sheriff William Dar. Thank you, sir, for serving the community. 
Thank you, sir, for protecting and serving. Thank you, sir, for giving the ultimate sacrifice in an attempt to protect and serve. My prayers to you, my prayers to your family. I thank you, my loyal listeners, for listening to me tonight. And I will see you next week back on my regular day, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here, RadioInfluence.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and of course, Google Play. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a fabulous sports babe. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Shall we talk about Tiger Woods? You know, the first time you think, okay, he's drunk, and then he blows a zero, zero, zero. I imagine I, I would do that too, right? But he's like prescription medication. I don't want to tell you anything. But we've all been in prescription medication, okay? But then it says today that he has two flat tires and part of the car is smashed up. You know, and people say, oh, I feel really sorry about it. I don't feel sorry. He was the one that was boinking that girl in Perkins parking lot. I will never forget that. In the middle of the day. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I feel sorry for him. He's a mess. And he's never going to come out and play golf again. Who cares? And, you know, what was he doing at 3 in the morning? Eh, You know, we've all gone out at those times. Usually they say something at 3 in the morning doesn't turn out to be very good, which I think in my older self, I might believe that. But, you know, if I could get up in time to do something at three, I would do it. But it just doesn't look good at all. It's not even that. And they're going to, you know, and, they'll, and of course, they've got PR people that'll say he's just this and that's what happened and blah, 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 blah. And I got it. But you know what? If it's really true, is it really true? I saw that today in the New York Post that uh, he had two flat tires and part of the thing was smashed up. That doesn't sound very good at all. The Fabulous Sports Babe can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.